Come on, Steve. We've got D in the carpet. Failure is not an option. It's a problem of motivation, all right? Boy's got a mouth like a cannon, always shooting it off. Yeah, something like that. It's the good stuff. And here we go! Shake it back! <laughs> Does that feel good? Yeah, it rhymes. They're both verbs. It's awesome. So listen to that. Welcome back to another episode. We're just going to jump straight into it because we've kind of been pre-gaming the conversation already. <laughs> yeah. Um, our guest today is Yakov Shimonov. He's a husband, entrepreneur, and clothier. He's a co-worker of mine, an encourager, a salesman extraordinaire. He's also <laughs> the head clothier and founder of Suitscribe, a made-to-measure white glove service for custom clothing, including and especially custom suits with clients like God Elba's. Amari Stoudemire. 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 I am clearly not a uh, basketball Yehoshaphat fan. Yehoshaphat Ben Avraham. Yehoshaphat Ben Avraham. There you go. And Rudy Rachman. Uh, okay, Yaakov, thank you for joining us today. Um, we're just going to go right back into that conversation we were just having pregame, um, talking about as young couples, young parents with kids. Okay, well, actually, let's backtrack. I'll give context to this. I made a comment. Yaakov, by the way, we're going by Yaakov and not Jack, right? Jack is uh, Pinecrest. Pine Jack Crest is Pinecrest, and so we are Yaakov. Outside of Pinecrest, I'm still a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay. So um, Yaakov had asked me, and I had made a comment about how, no, Yaakov had asked me how Shabbos was. This is like a one-of-a-kind episode here. It's a Sunday morning. It's a Sunday morning it's, sitting you know, on a couch episode. <laughs> formalities. How was Shabbos? Yeah. And we went into a conversation about how the meal was and right. So I had mentioned that this was our first, mine and my wife's first Shabbos alone with our kids in a very long time, no guests, no going out. Um, and I told them how it was practice um, and how it was different and new. Um, and that kind of got into a whole conversation because um, I was sharing how when we got married, we had kids right away. So my wife and I never really had that time to build a relationship as a unit without other people involved mm-hmm. um and that's we went off on a tangent and we said you know what, let's just record this so let's record this so and at some point this. we will talk about suitscribe which is yakov's amazing organization and business so we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there eventually but i feel like this is a way more interesting conversation to have and a way more um important conversation to have because a lot of couples right. don't have this conversation and people are just living their lives going about their day and uh not really you know being proactive and just reactive and going about doing what's needed to be done but what should i be doing and not only that it's also like like okay not not only that yes and the thought of family planning family planning is something very different in the outside world compared to our world Um, because family planning is what do i want to do with my life with my family what do i want my family to look like which is separate from the conversation that i was just talking about right well, let's go back to the original conversation. Yes. Where were we? Um, so we were talking about how... Or you were mentioning how it was incredible to grow up, not to grow up, to live to, oh, yes. with to, these mentors that were above you. So a little context. My wife and I got married in uh, 2021, the height of COVID. Well, right at the end of COVID, but um, in March 15th, never forget. If she's watching, she won't be <laughs> mad at me. Engrave it on your wedding week. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Uh, we have like four calendar reminders. Um, so when we got married, we lived in Queens. We both grew up in New York. My wife is from Roslyn. I'm from Queens, New York, QR Hills, born and raised, Queens boy. Um, so when we got married, we decided let's meet in the middle. We moved to Fresh Meadows, um, which isn't so much the middle, but it worked. And we had the pleasure of living in a two-family home with, um, so we lived on the second floor and in, on the on the first floor and in the basement, there was a rabbi living there with his family. I'm not going to say their name, just yeah. Stam, whatever. But um, I, we were just basically having the conversation of how it was so it was such a rich experience. I, it was like an invaluable experience of just being able to to watch somebody who I look up to and basically have a mentor living in the same home as me for free. It's, um, you know, an experience that, that, you know, you can't buy that sort of lifestyle. You can try to get into as many rooms as you want. If you're not in that room, it's very hard to be able to have those mentors just readily available there for you. So being able to live in that, you know, home with a rabbi and his family and being able to pick up and learn from their midos and from the way that they do things and the way they treat treat their children and each other, I just got to learn so much. Um, And we were basically speaking previously about, before the camera came on, um, about how um, Baruch had the opportunity this week to spend Shabbos alone with his family. And I asked Baruch, so how do you, so Baruch was basically saying that, oh, um, you know, we had the conversation of how having kids right when you get married is difficult. But then I was having the conversation of how, and I was bringing the point how, um, you know, we're married for two and a half years now. We still don't have kids. You know, that's also hard. You know, it's a different hard, but it's also hard. Um, so Baruch was saying like, right. Um, but now every time that we have together, him, him and his wife um, is just so golden and such an, ex- like such a treasured time together like an experience that you guys won't give up for anything right now because you're you know constantly being a father and being a husband figure to your to your children that it doesn't allow you to really build your relationship with your wife the way you would want to and i basically asked baruch like so how do you had what are you guys doing to be able to have that time alone together because that is something that a lot of people don't get to think about and they don't actively choose to make that time and then you know things happen but like as a smart person as a jew you need to sit down and think about what it is that you are doing not just do things right so i asked baruch how do you and your wife make that time to be able to sit alone together and then that's why i brought in the family that i that my wife and i lived with in queens was because what they do is that every friday night they invite people so they have friday night they have a nice kid oh what's called a nice meal with their friends family whoever they invite Shabbos day is family day. Hmm. That's what they do. And um, so we're still young. We don't have kids. We are together almost all the time before work, after work. Like our, my wife and I, our lives are just together. We're, what we do is everything. We do everything together. We have one car. So when she goes shopping, I'm there with her because who else is going to bring the groceries into the car? And uh, when we do anything, we're doing it together. So we have that time together all the time during the week. Obviously, we'd love to spend more time alone with each other. But... Um, for now, we have people Friday night and Shabbos day, and even uh, Shul sometimes. But eventually, we have both had the conversation with each other of when we have kids, we know that one night or one meal is going to be just alone time, family time, because it's so important. And that's something that we picked up from living 
right. in that environment. So that's where that question came from. How are you guys actively choosing to spend time alone where you get to have that time with your wife because you guys did have kids right away? Right. So it's, it's interesting because, oh my God, there's so much to go after here. Right. Everybody's life and situation and scenario is, is very unique. Ours is very unique to us. We had certain benefits that other people did not have. Um, and so everybody really has to figure out on their own. For us, we've, thank God, always been in a position where there was somebody that we could kind of rely on or tap into. So when we first got married and we were living in the, the storage room apartment in the basement of a building, we had our upstairs neighbors who were there for us. Okay. Um, but that was when we only had our first kid and he was very young. And then we moved into the basement at my in-laws place. So we always had them available. We all, we've always been fortunate to have a support system, that support system. And that if we need to go out for date night, there was somebody there to watch our kids. Not many people are going to have that, that support right? system. Yeah. And it's huge. And it, even just the ability to go say, Hey, Ma, talk, can you watch the kids? We're going out for two hours. Right. So from the beginning, that date night was extremely important to us. And, we went from saying date night had to be these extravagant meals at restaurants to no date night can just be going to Trader Joe's and spending an hour with each other right. shopping and maybe getting an extra candy. I mean, you That's look at our date yeah, history, yeah. Yeah, that, that was how we did it. We, we went maybe for an hour to like these places that you're supposed to date at. Yeah. And then we sat on Eastern Parkway for eight hours at a time, just sitting in the car in the corner. So that was how our date life had been established. Now things are different with three kids. Uh, we still have that support system. Wow, that support system. Um, we got my brother and sister-in-law living behind us. We got my mother in the same apartment complex as us. But it is still very much once a week we try to do something to just spend time with each other. And again, sometimes it's going out to Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, whatever it is. And sometimes it's staying in, but being aware of okay, what are we? What are we, we're going to be conscious about what we're doing tonight. So. Right watching something together we both want to watch having a discussion um planning the future whatever it is the point is it's spending time with kids it's difficult because if you can't get a babysitter you have to do it at home right and so you have therefore you have to tweak it to what can we do at home what time do you guys put your kids to sleep oh well we try to put them to bed at 7 30 by the time they actually fall asleep right. it's closer to 9 30 sometimes 10 o'clock so oh, it's, yeah. it's there's this battle and i'm the parent who's like go to bed shut your eyes Go to sleep. And she's the parent who's like, no, like, let's be gentle with them. Let's be nice. So it's two very different personalities because I, I want that time with her. I need that time yeah. with her. The biggest thing that we've had to learn and we're still learning is not seeing our kids as, as a source of space between us. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have kids right away and you don't have that time alone with each other. Right. I can... And you're both coming with your own history of whatever it is from your own upbringing and now you're bringing more people like we're constantly thinking about how do i not screw these kids up right like we don't how do i give them the best life possible what we've come to learn is that in order to give them the best life possible we have to be having the best life possible for ourselves yeah and in order for my wife and i to have the best relationship we have to have the best relationship with ourselves as individuals right so it starts from you when you're able to be good with yourself and work on yourself. Then you can work on your marriage and then you can work on your relationship with your kids. So our time together, it's extremely important. We don't always get it, but when we do, we just try to make the most of it. And it doesn't have to be this big grandiose thing. 
It's something as simple as sitting on the couch, spending time, eating a, t- a tub of ice cream together, and right. half watching a movie while you talk. Right. It, it's it's different. I mean, listen, everybody has everybody has their challenges. You know, could we say we would have loved to have that time? We could say we would have loved to have that time alone together at the beginning of a marriage. But then, what would we be, we be giving up on? We we have friends who haven't been able to have kids and they're married for a number of years and and our heart it, it cries for them it, it, we are sad for them even though we have no right to be sad like what right you feel for them though we you feel for them right. that's a better term um we felt that our life everything that has happened to us has been so that we can then help somebody else and that's kind of been the track record like when Mayer was born, our oldest was born, he was home birth, everything was fine. 24 hours later, he was um, sent to the NICU. Not because of the home birth, let's get that straight, there's nothing wrong with home births, for something completely unrelated. He was home birth? He was a home birth. All, all of our kids have been home birth, by choice. Okay. That's a, that's like when we say, it actually happened this just, this, just this past Shabbos, my yes, wife sir. was talking to somebody and, no, we didn't have a home birth this past Shabbos. Let's be clear, we do not <laughs> have four kids you, now. That's you guys That's why I wasn't at Shul. <laughs> No, so my wife was talking to somebody about home births this past Shabbos. And she's mentioned, oh, yeah, we had a home birth, all of our kids. And the person said, by choice? <laughs> it's like, is it an accident? So, no, we chose to have home births. Um, but within 24 hours, he was in the NICU. He spent five days there. Um, and we knew the entire time, this is, there's a reason we're going through this. And it's not because God doesn't like us. It's because God is preparing us to help somebody else. Sure enough. About a year or so later, a close friend of mine um, married, had a kid. Kid ended up in the hospital within 24 hours. Not the same thing, but something other, some other thing. And this, in this case, they were going through it multiple times. It was back and forth to the hospital. Who did he reach out to for help? And I was able to empathize with him. I was able to relate to him because we had had a similar experience. And as a man, as a father, you've got to be that strong character. You've got to be that strong individual, but you're also extremely emotional. So we're supposed to hide that? Yeah, I can't. That's difficult for sure. I obviously don't have the experience. Um, but you your experience me? is is just as valuable and unique as somebody with kids, and that's the thing. And you're go, you're learning lessons now, right? Like when you mentioned the the other day at the office that Friday nights you and your wife do alone, that hit me. I'm like, that is beautiful. Right. The fact that you'll take that time to not need to be around anybody, because that's the thing is, in a way, my wife and I were drowning our, let's say, I don't want to call it pain, but the fact that we never had time alone, so if we can't have time alone, let's have a lot of people over. Right. That we don't have to focus on, not the problem, but we don't have to focus on the thing that is distracting us. So we're rather, we're going to distract ourselves. Right. When you said that, it was like, no, 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 we're take, we're looking at this the wrong way we need to specifically put ourselves in a situation where we build that skill of us being the parents that we need to be with our kids. So thank you for that because it genuinely, when you said that, it made me think, okay, let's, let's change this up. Wow. See, you can learn from everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. And like, we're still trying to make it like a, a rule, a set rule, right? Where Friday nights is, you know, family time, husband and wife time for now. Um, but obviously like I was just saying earlier, we had people over Shabbos, right? So like before we have kids, it's not such a strict rule, but once we have kids, it's 
either Friday night or Saturday, whichever we choose. I prefer Friday nights to have alone because anyways, Shabbos, you know, comes in a little late here, later, even like the earliest comes in at five. Right. So by the time you come home from, from shul, kiddish, whatever, it's already seven o'clock, it's late, people get tired, Friday night to have people over. I'd much rather have it done Shabbos day where you could sit with them for five, six, seven hours. Right. Right. So like that might be the move there. But again, that's a conversation I'll be having with my wife when the time is right. Right. Um, <laughs> sooner than later. Um, but like what we were mentioning earlier is just about, um, you know, being the Jew, having like just being the Jew and thinking, what should I be doing? Not right. what do I have to do? So, but that's also another very important point is the idea that, and why? Uh, yeah, as time goes along, things will change, and it's a constant conversation. Exactly. When you get married, I mean, you've been married for two years, two and a half years. Yeah. Is your life exactly the way you thought it would be when nah, you first got married? Not even. Have you guys made the same decisions that you thought you'd be making when you first got married? Well, there are things that we still want to be implementing, right? Like right. We both want to be exercising, but like, right. how often does that happen? For sure. Right. Exactly. But then also, there are you know, like date night is Tuesday night, and then like, oh, things are happening. Tuesday's busy. Right. Date night's now Thursday night, and Thursday's busy because shops prep is that whatever, and a date night is Sunday night. So then people want to have you over to that whatever. Okay. Like, yeah, it's, there's, that's a loose example, but yes, there things right. are always going to be changing. Conversations are always going to have to be made. Us men, we just want to sit in serenity and peace and just don't bother me. Leave me alone <laughs> for a couple of minutes, hours, whatever. Yeah. Um, and like, this is good. Let's keep it here. But you know, that's Azer Connect though. Your wife is always there to build you and make you better. Right. And, uh, you're constantly growing. And with the wife, I guess it's the most exponential way to grow a hundred percent and and that's the thing though is going into marriage it's flexibility like i i did dating coaching and i absolutely hated it and i still don't do it because people wouldn't implement what i was saying and it's not that i have such a big ego that no you need to implement but no when you've been married for eight years and i'm giving you advice it's from eight years of marriage from my personal experience plus all the other people i, I spoke to but there's one thing the person you marry is not going to be the person you stay married to because people they're change, going to change. Grow. You're going to change. And God willing, it will be for growth. For the together in the same right. direction. And learning how to how to have those conversations. Navigate that. Yeah. Exactly. So that's an important part. Now, you mentioned this, um, this family, I guess, that lived in the basement. Did you, growing up within your community, did you have those role models in general? Because I'll tell you, like... <laughs> I'm a master. At um, I'll tell you, growing up, and I'm very open about this. Like, I did not exactly have the cr- best crisscrossing. Yeah, crisscross applesauce. Couch is comfortable enough. It's okay. <laughs> um, this, by the way, is the most chill conversation and interview I've ever had. I've never know. done in person like this. So this is great. Yeah. Um, this is where it's at. This is where human it. connection. I think we're gonna have to do this. Yeah. From now on. Um, anyway, so I did not have. The good role models. Not saying the people in my life were bad, but the general, um, the general community. What I was seeing in marriages, it was not something that I saw and said, "Hey, I want that type of marriage." There's very that. few people. Right. Did you have that? So, in my community, there are like, well, I don't know exactly what the puzzle is, but you can learn something from from everybody, right? Right. So there are definitely things that, you know, I looked at 
people in my community, in the shul that I went to, and in my community, Stam, just, I like this about this person. I want to implement that right. into my life. I looked at this person. I want to implement that. I want to right pick up bits and pieces all along the way. But my uncle, my father's youngest brother, um, they lived a block away from us. I always looked up to him in the family and husband sense, meaning like he was the cool uncle that his kids loved him and he was there for his wife and he understood and he portrayed what it meant to be a husband and a father. Right. And um, not, I'm not saying that my dad wasn't a great father or a good husband, but what I thought was cool and was successful, my definition of success was what he portrayed. And um, he was constantly like what I do now. He did everything with his wife when they first got married, when they had kids, his priority was his kids. Like when they were family functions, like his reasons for leaving were not like, Oh, or not coming to somewhere. Wasn't, wasn't like my kid has to go to sleep. So we're going to leave, right? Like some BS excuse like that. It was more like, no, it's time because it's not healthy for them to be up later. Right. right. So like the way he structured his mindset and structured his life was to be an amazing father and a husband. And that was his priority. So being able to have that person as a role model growing up, it allowed me to, to one, think that that's cool. It's good. Right. Some people think that cool and good is other things. So Baruch Shem, right. I got that experience. Um, but, um, but then for business, it was other people. Right. Right. So I, like I live, I grew up in, uh, in Queens, in New York, living on main street. There's a plethora of people there, right? So many right. different types, so many different groups. Queens is a chillant pot of different people, not just Jews. Right. So I definitely did get that exposure to everything. Um, and I did get to choose. Right. But, but living in a home where the rabbi, right. Where a rabbi is there and you get to have that one-on-one -on -one experience. Like I didn't live in my uncle's home. Right? right. I lived in my parents' home. So ultimately that was my, that was the, obviously the, the most exposure that I had had to being in a family, but that's what I knew to my core. Right. right. So then when I got to leave that core and into another core, and then I got to understand why things happen and see them play out, that's a totally different experience. Right. So that's why I was mentioning how that is like, that was a more, um, golden experience. So just plethora of like knowledge nuggets that I got to take and implement into my own life. But it's but, also, you're not getting it from one person. Like let's, let's look at the fact that you got something from your uncle, then you got from this rabbi. A lot of people think that I have one mentor. I have one coach. I have one person. Cross. Um, <laughs> I have one person that I'm going to learn from when in reality, no, you're going to. Yeah. I had a bunch of mentors people. for sure, right. but that, that was a very rich experience. Right. That's that, what I was mentioning. Yeah. Right. And so you learn some things from your, your uncle, you learn some things from this rabbi. Um, did you sit down with them and ask them questions or was it mostly just by observing and seeing and then internalizing? A little bit of both. Um, I've had the conversation with my uncle, the one that I look up to, family man, and a few people in my community where, so my uncle's kids are all literally like angels. They are the most genuine, sweetheart people ever. We're actually flying to New York for his daughter's wedding, my wow, first cousin's wedding. Um, 
Tuesday. I'm gonna miss you at the office. Yeah, it's right. It's gonna be boring without you. <laughs> and no um, more dead people on the calls. No, hopefully not. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, his kids are all just such, like they're all just so well behaved, and not in a sense where they sit quiet on the table. They're just good kids, right. you know. And there are other families in the shul that I went to that their kids are also just amazing. Like they're so to give context to to Tov. Right. When I grew up going to Tov, my friends and I used to go outside, take cherries, pick them off the tree and pelt them at each other. <laughs> and then that translated into growing up a little understanding that like, hey, a closer getting 30. Let's just turn that into dodgeball. And then that whatever. We were just like the active, active kids we right. fought with each other and whatnot. Right. Um, and then the generation, I guess, right before mine grew up, had kids and now their kids. So being 23 going to shul, seeing this, you know, the 35-year-old families now having their kids that are 12, 13 years old grow up, seeing how they are, you know, parenting and teaching their kids and being good role models to their kids, seeing that these kids are now, like, doing things that I as an adult now still don't do. Like, like there's, like, the 13 to 17-year-old age range right now in Tov. Those that group of kids, they are they just finished shots as as a group of thirteen to seventeen year old kid boys. Wow, you know, like they did it in one year. Right, they all took upon themselves like there was like thirty or whatever of them. They took upon themselves to learn x amount of blot, and in a year they they knocked it out of the park. So unlike what most people say, which is you're is that as the generations go on, they get worse. You're saying the generations are getting in, better. In Tov, it's getting better. Shem, like, I don't know, like, there's just bracha and under the guidance of Rav Tadka, it's, it's an amazing um, right. system, an amazing shul, and um, an amazing place. Why we left Queens, that's a little bit. I was going to get there next. Yeah, so. but so. Because so, when I, my exposure to the Bukharian community, again, I worked there for five, six years. I right. Actually, probably even longer if we count the camp experience. <laughs> I, I thought the Bukharian community only existed in Queens, so much so that when I was working with an individual from the Baharian community in a coaching capacity, and he was really looking to get out of some of the bad stuff going on there. I was encouraging him to leave, and he's like, no, there's no Baharian community anywhere else in the U.S. And That's now I find out true. that there's Arizona, there's Texas, so... Atlanta. At Atlanta, there you go. So... Florida. Okay, so it's a lot yeah. more vast than what he thought and what I thought. Right. Um, so then what did prompt that? What did prompt what? You leaving. leaving and, and Before coming. that, so just to t finish that point... The kids that have, you know, created the this like team minion and this entire program that they that, that they have like a learning seder and they learn like twice a week at nights and you know they finished shots like um, their parents like I've literally spoken to each of them each of their parents individually and telling them like listen when I have kids I'm taking you out to dinner my wife and I we're gonna sit down and talk to you because I need yeah. to understand how you did this because this isn't normal. And they all started laughing and they're like, listen, it's all God. And I'm like, yeah, God, I'm a little bit of your status. Yeah. I need some of that. So that is a goal of ours. Once, you know, we get to the age of having to implement Chinuch, um, that I will take these people out to dinner. Right. I will pay for their babysitting. I don't care. Or honestly, their kids are so amazing. They'll just watch probably the kids. And I don't have to pay for them, but whatever. <laughs> um, so Score. yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have that conversation with them and with my uncle when it comes to that time. Um, so, so there was that amazing exposure there, but I want to say 
being able to find the good in the messiness of Queens, that wasn't easy. That, right. you know, that came from the way my parents uh, thought and, and taught us to think in our home. My mom is a very positive person. Super duper positive. My father, he's a man. He does things. This is how you do it. You know, that's it. Game over. Like, if you don't do it this way, you're a loser. Right? Like, to... What's it called? Um, whatever. But having that influence from my mother of, you know, see the see the good in things. Be positive. Be positive. My mom's, like, the happiest person in the world. Like, you'll never see her not happy. And, you know, super emotional as women are. So, um, I... Thank God in my, in my parents' home, I got to be able to, to take that from my mother and, um, and learn so much, right? Right. I had an amazing support system growing up. Not a lot of people had the same, right? Right. So then the conversation comes up of, uh, hey, why did you move out of Queens? You're making this seem like your life was so great there, obviously. Um, the reason why we left Queens and moved to Texas, obviously, Texas is great. It's conservative here. The people here are normal to a degree. Dallas is kind of <laughs> becoming blue and it's kind of frustrating. Well, Dallas also isn't actually Texas. Like we were just right. having this conversation on Java. Like Dallas, Austin, Houston, they're not actually Texas. Texas, Texas right. is country, you know. It's outside of the cities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like all the great things that Texas and Dallas has to offer is great, but that's not really why we left. Like we could have technically picked up and left and lived anywhere, right? The this kind of circles back to the beginning of our conversation. We decided to actively uh, choose to uh, want to live just my wife and I and be able to grow to be even a sh- uh, stronger couple um, so that when we do have kids, we'll be that much stronger before us as a parenting force and whatnot. Um, like, you know, a lot of people, when they say that when they have kids, they just throw their kids in the parents and they're able to have time for, for each other and whatnot. Right. That's great. And um, a lot of people need that. I personally don't want that because I want to be able to parent my kids and figure out for ourselves. Right. Baruch Hashem, now we have uh, technology. If I ever have a question, I can make a phone call. Right. Um, but ultimately, I want to be able to parent my kids. And yeah, I know it's going to be a little more work. Um, a lot more work. A lot more work. But um, it's something that I want to be the influence for my kids. I want to be my, my kid's superhero. So, um, you know, not able to, uh, being able to have that crutch of like, hey, take my kids and then just stress out over the three-hour date night that we're going to have. I want to have those skills that will allow me to be the parent that, you know, quote, unquote, the super, super parents uh, right. to do that and be able to do that. So, you know, because we both have a background in teaching. Yeah. Right. I have a lot less teaching experience than you. I only taught for three years, two and a quarter, uh, two and three quarters. You're lucky. Um, <laughs> um, but um, so that's like teaching, teaching experience, but I've like, you know, been in education for now seven, eight years. Um, and, uh, you know, I always had that soft spot, get it from my mama um, of, you know, understanding and resonating with kids and trying to help them to, to the best I can. Um, I understand that also, um, living too close to family can make your spouse each other. Like I always didn't want to go to my in-laws, my, my wife didn't always want to go to her in-laws, my parents, right. you know, so like just taking that out of the equation and just allowing ourselves while we still don't have kids to be able to grow 
and then eventually figure out our parenting style, our life, our lifestyle and what we want out of life was super imperative to how I wanted to live, how we wanted to live our lives going forward. So we decided, you know what, like Queens is great. We love everybody there. Everybody there loves us. Uh, there's no hard feelings. We just want to be active, uh, proactive in life and, uh, and uh, build a life for ourselves in a sense. And then also New York kind of sucks. Yeah. So especially we nowadays, were, right. So if we were able to, you know, do all that and then potentially find a new place for our loved ones to come eventually live in as well, then yeah, I'll, I'll be the Christopher Columbus of Queens and get right. the heck out. Right. Well, that's the other thing, because that's like from our discussions in the office about life and about your shul and your synagogue, you didn't come in looking for a community to receive you. You came in I looking came into, to make a difference in the community you were going to. Yeah. Power horse, baby. Yeah. And we've seen that about you just nonstop. I'd say that was a pretty successful broadcast.